welcome to the Regulation Podcast brought to you by the Institute of Regulation. This is the third episode in this new series of podcasts and once again we hope to help you understand what regulation is all about, uh, what it's all for and of course why it matters to the public. My name is Anthony Oliver and I'm going to lead the discussion today as we delve into the world of transport regulation to focus on some of the big issues facing the aviation sector. As usual, we're going to give you a new perspective on the priorities and challenges faced by the regulator and a clearer understanding of how the new Institute of Regulation can help. So, let me introduce my guest today, Tim Johnson, Policy and Strategy Director at the Civil Aviation Authority, the organisation responsible for overseeing the complex world of aviation in the UK. Welcome, Tim. Thanks for joining me on the Regulation Podcast today. Uh, Anthony, thank you. Uh, and thank you for having me on this uh, this episode today. So, um, Tim, as Policy and Strategy Director at the uh, CAA, so how would you describe your current role in regulation? I think my uh, role at the CAA uh, is essentially to look out and look forward, um, to think about the world, the, uh, the aviation sector, um, the sorts of issues that matter to uh, the public, um, the sort of innovations and changes going on in the sector, um, and think about what we as the CAA need to do to get ready uh, to respond to those um, and to anticipate uh, where we have a role and make sure we're ready for fulfilling that role. So give me an example of the kind of issue that's on your to-do list right now then, Tim. So I think one one particular area I'd, I'd sort of pick out is, um, is space regulation. Um, uh, this is an area uh, that globally has been developing and the UK government has got a very uh, ambitious strategy for the UK um, to build on what it's uh, what is already sort of significant hinterland of uh, sort of satellite technology and research um, to broaden that, but also to introduce launch um, space launch from from the UK. So the government's got a sort of a broad strategy um, that it's announced and the CAA has been appointed as the uh, sort of UK space regulator. I mean, I guess sort of fundamentally as a regulator, I think we sort of have uh, uh, two roles, um, one of which is is our core regulatory task, which is about making uh, decisions about whether, uh, you know, a particular applicant is uh, is safe enough uh, to operate in, in the system. But I think the second is this uh, this kind of enabling role, um, you know, which is to say, uh, you know, reg- regulation is um, one of the conditions that needs to be in place for lots of new kind of sectors to uh, to develop um, as the regulator we want these uh, new sectors to operate safely um, but we also don't want regulation to uh, unnecessarily uh, hamper the progress of these sectors um, unless of course it's justified for sort of um, you know safety and consumer protection reasons so I think that means there's an increased sort of imperative on us to be as I say looking out looking forward um, understanding the nature and shape of the sort of sectors uh, that are developing um, in the, in this specific example, uh, you know, the space launch uh, launch sector. So one of the things that we're doing at the moment is, uh, so we've built, um, uh, I mean, helped the government design the uh, legislative framework. Uh, we've got a team in place and at the moment we are in the process of receiving and assessing uh, applications from a number of different organisations 
um, launch operators, spaceport operators, and uh, we're in the process of, of, of sort of um, you know assessing them and deciding uh, whether these organisations are, are suitable to be licensed. So I, I think an incredibly interesting area of what we're doing um, uh, right now. So that, that's a, a, I suppose a new area that you're you're now getting into. But the CAA website describes uh, its role as ensuring that the aviation industry meets the highest safety standards, um, uh, cons- ensuring that consumers have choice value for money and are protected uh, and treated fairly when they fly. Uh, There's issues around the environmental impact of aviation, making sure that's effectively managed. And of course, the final one is that uh, to make sure the aviation industry manages security risks effectively. So, I mean, it's quite a list. I mean, how would you describe the current priorities for the CAA at the moment? I think absolutely right. Um, I I think uh, the CAA uh, not uniquely, but per- perhaps rarely for, for regulators, has a very broad uh, range of responsibilities across sort of safety, consumer protection and uh, security. Um, and the majority of our work, um, I mean, I talked a bit about space, but the majority of our work I- is on, um, you know, those, uh, you know, the sector that exists today and making sure that sort of high safety standards, security standards um and consumer protection standards are followed by the industry. I mean, current key focus is on COVID recovery. Um, you know, the sector has, um, you know, seen significantly lower uh, activity levels over the last couple of years, and and that's coming back kind of quite quickly now. So our key priority for this uh, this year in particular is on the safety and security of of that ramp up as we go sort of through Easter and then on in, on on into the summer. Um, so we're working very closely with the sector, um, try to help understand what their what their challenges are, hold them to account for um, you know safety and security standards. So um, I, I, amongst the long list, um, uh, that is um, certainly right at the top of the list uh, for this coming year. Well, let's explore that slightly more. I mean, the COVID crisis clearly has had a well, it continues to have a massive impact on the global aviation sector. You know, I know you're challenged, or you're you're, you're challenged by government to really help the recovery and growth of the aviation industry. I mean, how do you know you're succeeding in that? Um, I think you're right. We do have those um, uh, those, 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 those broad roles. Uh, I, I think very often our role actually is about sort of sharing expertise uh, across the sector. Um, we have, um, you know, as, as well as our formal regulatory role, we're, we're, you know, we have a convening power as well. So our ability to sort of get the sector to come to the table and um, uh, share uh, insights Across the sectors, so I think both during the pandemic and in particular this year, um, that's something we're um, absolutely doing. As 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 you know, there's much of a focus on sort of um, resilience, accepting that the CAA sort of, you know as 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 the regulator, we we can't fix all the problems that the um, and and the challenges that the sector have got in terms of sort of you know whether that be uh, recruitment or planning their demand. There are some risks and and um, activities that are sort of clearly owned by the sector. But we are using our sort of you know regulatory role, but also that that kind of convening role, um, uh, where you know where where we think that's appropriate to do so. Because Tim, aviation is naturally a global industry. I mean, how you talked about you talked about sharing learning. I mean, how does the CA work with and learn from uh, its international counterparts? Um, so I think right, uh, aviation is a global um, a, a global industry, and in fact, there's a global uh, regulator, um, ICAO. Uh, which sets um, sort of global, um, you know, baseline global standard um, so that all countries can have confidence that, you know, if they're accepting um, 
uh, flights and aircraft from one country that you know they will meet uh, meet those kind of baseline standards. So I, I think the idea of kind of collaboration uh, within uh, aviation is is actually designed into that that sort of regulatory architecture. Um, uh, we collaborate regularly with a you know a range of other uh, regulators in other countries. Um, uh, you know whether that's in 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 you know the US, Australasia. Um, uh, the Far East, the Middle East, uh, and 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 in Europe. I mean, I think many regulators, many aviation regulators, are fa facing common challenges, and I think the idea of uh, a sort of collaboration, information sharing, is 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 kind of really well built into the uh, to the ethos of the whole sector. Whether that be you know the industrial part of the sector who's providing services or or the regulatory um, uh, community um, community as well. Um, I think increasingly, um, and uh, it's a particular reason why we're enthusiastic about the uh, Institute of Regulation, um, uh, many regulators in different sectors are facing common challenges as well. Um, uh, and, and therefore, we're sort of uh, benefiting from um, learning ourselves, um, but also sort of happy to share our experience with regulators in other sectors. That's a, a nice segue to the a question I was going to ask you next about the Institute of Regulation. You're a founding member of the new institute. I mean, how do you see this new organisation helping? Yeah, so I, I think uh, we're, I mean, we're uh, very enthusiastic um, uh, sort of founding uh, members of this. I think we, what, what one of our uh, values as an organisation is never stop learning. Um, and I think the Institute of Regulation is going to be a really uh, important opportunity for many regulators to... Um, share and learn from each other um, and to um, sort of share that experience and get learnings and insights and understand how other other sectors are dealing with actually kind of quite common uh, common challenges so we're we're sort of um, you know uh, very, very enthusiastic about that I hope in 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 time as well um, you know I, th I think in each of our domain areas there is um, you know domain specific expertise that all regulators will need whether that's in the medical profession uh in the aviation profession in the you know exam qualification profession um but but actually i think increasingly we find that actually um encouraging movement between the different organizations so we're all benefiting from each other's skills has and, and experiences and capabilities um is, is good for cognitive diversity um uh, but also therefore bringing in sort of different perspectives and, and uh, new ways of, of learning how to uh, approach some of these challenges that we've all got. Okay, I mean, we've, we've talked about this on previous podcasts, uh, about the fact that good regulation is vital to the effective functioning of businesses and public services. Um, I suppose both are forced to prevent bad outcomes, but also to drive improvement and drive um, uh, productivity. I mean, how would you say the CA is working to balance its clear safety and environmental enforcement roles with championing the needs of customers and passion passengers through uh, innovation and new ideas to drive forward this industry? So I think we're very um, open to those sort of different roles. I mean, in, in our sort of legislative underpinnings, we have a uh, a, a clear set of priorities that which says safety is num you know the number one priority uh for us so i think um you know when it comes to it uh you know we, it, it's pretty clear what we will um prioritize if we have to i think most air passengers would be pleased to hear that uh, indeed indeed um but it is absolutely built into our uh, uh dna as an organization 
Um, but but I think you know, getting effective outcomes doesn't uh, always mean kind of getting a big uh, a big stick out. Um, it it often means uh, sort of sharing uh, sharing learnings across uh, the sector. Um, it means being a bit of a, a you know a thought uh, provoker. We've got um, uh, and uh, one of the things that we're really proud of is an innovation hub um, in the CAA, which is deliberately out very outward facing, uh, engaging with innovators and those developing kind of products and services, um, and and that's given us sort of I think quite a lot of freedom to not necessarily kind of propose solutions because in many cases it's not pr- for us to propose solutions, but to add a voice to the debate. Um, uh, within the sector about some of the issues that need dealing with. Um, I'd just use one example, if I may. Um, social licence. Uh, lots of new service providers in this sector are very focused on the technology, um, but through what, one of the things we've lent our voice to is encouraging them to think about their social licence to operate. Ultimately, whether or not some of these new services and products come to market will depend on the public's acceptance um, of them sort of operating in our uh, in our country and in our sort of transport ecosystem so I think that's a really good uh, example of the CAA um, saying um, look this is not strictly speaking within our remit um, but we're identifying from our experience some of these issues that we've seen across the sector historically and we're encouraging you you know new innovators coming into the sector to begin to think about these um uh, about these issues uh, as well. What's interesting because the CAA is a public corporation. It's established, um, I think, was it 1972? It's an independent specialist aviation regulator and the government requires your costs are met entirely from charges that you levy to those that you provide a, a service to or that you regulate, which I suppose, I mean, how does that work in practice? I mean, how do you get that balance between your, your need to drive a commercial return but also serve the public good? Yep. So, um, I mean, the cost of our services need to be met by those that uh, those that we regulate. That's uh, a long-standing and very sort of cross-sectoral um, uh, user-pays principle that the UK government um, has has established. Um, so, our focus in setting those charges actually very much is the public good. Um, you know, what are the capabilities and capacity that we need to um, uh, consider and um, uh, you know approvals and, and and give businesses the license to operate, uh, and we charge on 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 that basis. But we don't look to make a sort of a uh, a super normal um, uh, or a commercial return. We just look to kind of cover our uh, cover our costs. Yeah. There are of course some things that the government um, asks us to do to help them with, you know, providing advice or undertaking certain things on behalf of government that are not strictly speaking within our statutory framework, uh, and the government pays us uh, directly. Um, for those things, so we don't ask sort of charge payers to cover those. But of course, recently um, MPs urged government to give um, the CA what they described as more teeth to help passengers to get better services from airlines. I mean, how do you how do you navigate that? It's clearly it's a political debate. How do you navigate that debate? Um, so I think we do think that we've got um, well, we've got some enforcement powers at the moment, and we think um, they are. Uh, I mean, essentially require us to take um, operators to court if we think they've um, uh, breached the law. On, and this is on their sort of consumer rights, so their uh, responsibilities for treating consumers uh, properly in, in in accordance with existing legislation. And we, we, we've looked at some uh, other regulators in other sectors and said, well, actually, other regulators have got some more flexible tools, which gives the regulator the opportunity to um, uh, take more prompt action. 
Um, actually, we've been really clear about the benefits of having a broader uh, regulatory enforcement tool set uh, for a while now. Um, uh, you know, we've we've made the uh, case to uh, to government through sort of consultation and a number of other mechanisms, um, and you know, uh, it's an area that the Transport Select Committee um, uh, has asked us about before. So we've kind of you know got our views um, sort of clearly uh, clearly out there. Yeah, you broadly welcome that intervention, though, I imagine. Yes, I think we've been very clear about uh, uh, the benefits of having some new powers uh, uh, for a while. Um, I think with all regulators, there's always a question about power. So it's a question about um, being really clear about the evidence base, the rationale for it. And, you know, uh, quite rightly, are the powers um, justified? Um, how do you make them proportionate and what checks and balances do you put around the exercise of those powers in, uh, in, in the future as well? So I think we're very, uh, uh, you know, welcoming of that recommendation and, and um, sort of keen to work, uh, you know, with the government on, on implementation. So um, let's talk about the future just to finish off with very rapidly. I mean, three priorities were identified recently by the uh, Secretary of State, um, uh, Robert Courts. Uh, he, he talked about improving connectivity across the UK, building confidence in the transport network and tackling climate change, uh, improving air quality by, by decarbonising transport. Um, uh, presumably, uh, you know, those are three priorities for you. But um, I mean, what do you see the key regulatory issues that appear uh, for the sector as you move to meet those challenges? So I think key challenges for the sector are um, uh, firstly getting the uh, the recovery from kind of COVID um, uh, well underway. Um, I, I think the other question and, and reflecting the, the, the priority from government um, is the sustainability challenge, which is, um, you know, in, incredibly important for the planet. Uh, the government's been very clear it's it's very important for it and for the sector. Um, but that is also incredibly long term. Aviation is a global industry that even within the UK, there are many players, uh, you know, aerospace companies, airlines, airports, government regulator. So uh, I think that's a really interesting example of a very long term challenge, but one for which there needs to be some sort of genuine momentum towards resolving. So I think, uh, you know, the work of the Jet Zero Council, which was supporting um, uh, and, and getting some real momentum into that that long-term challenge. And then as an organisation, um, keeping looking out, looking forward, um, doing what we can to kind of continually improve um, how we interact and, uh, you know, with those that we um, regulate, being a regulator isn't necessarily a popularity contest. Um, uh, sometimes it's about saying yes, sometimes it's about saying no, but actually um, being, you know, continually striving to be the, you know, the best regulator we can uh, be evidence-based in what we do and, um, you know, treating our and interacting with our stakeholders in a very professional way. Okay. So the future uh, is bright for UK aviation then, Tim? Yes. Endlessly interesting. It's it's one of the, um, uh, I guess, for my role in the sort of policy and strategy domain, um, I find uh, the most interesting element um, is the, um, the balance of those short-term, long-term challenges uh, the sheer diversity of, of issues that uh, you know aviation uh, gets to, to to deal with and manage, and, and therefore the I think it creates a kind of very dynamic context um, uh, for the CAA, which makes uh, my role kind of uh, particularly interesting. Well, 
Tim, thanks so much for joining me today on the Regulation Podcast. Uh, aviation, as we've heard, is a huge and very complicated sector. Uh, but I think we've made a start, maybe unpacking the regulation challenges facing the UK. So thanks very much for joining us today, Tim. Thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm sure uh, that we'll be hearing more from you, Tim, and the CA in future podcasts very soon. I mean, we've got through um, 20 minutes without mentioning Heathrow once. Um I'm sure there's lots more to talk about there. But in the meantime, we have more regulation podcasts planned and more guests to talk to as we continue to get stuck into some of the big issues faced across the sector. If you haven't done so already, do check out the new Institute of Regulation website. That's www.ioregulation.org, where you'll find a huge amount of really useful information about the Institute, how you can get involved, and of course, about the issues and challenges facing regulation. And of course, you'll find details of the next podcast, which will be with you very soon. So thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks again to Tim. And on behalf of the Institute of Regulation, I look forward to seeing you again very soon. Bye.